welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. My name is Rebecca Johnson, one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Supergirl Radio, but I also talk about Zack Snyder films on my personal YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And you should all check it out. Uh, amazing well, work. thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, today, we are back uh, to talk about minute number 134 of Zack Snyder's Justice League, and this minute is going to start out with con- uh, the continuing conversation of uh, Aquaman and Cyborg, where Aquaman is now questioning um, Cyborg's allegiance, we should say. <laughs> um, and the minute is going to end with a kind of flashback-esque uh, scene of Dr. Silas Stone um, taking the third mother box out of its uh, sealed container. A uh, big... Big moment here. Big, big bit cool. Of, bit of a box within a box here. Uh. And speaking of the box, I don't, I don't know if y'all uh, have already talked about this or not, but since we've been talking a lot about the Arthurian legend connections to this film, yes. <laughs> uh, watching this minute again uh, with that perspective is uh, the mother box. Does it have a round table on it? There's a circular, yeah. circular design. There's, there's twelve little dots on it. So I don't. I guess the. I don't know if that would be time, uh, but the but the mother box is having a circular design on it. Sort of reminded me of a round table visu- visually. So um, I I uh, didn't know if that was a connection or if I'm reading into it, but it did sort of uh, spark my interest when when looking at it again. Um, would it shock you to learn that the people who were in charge? of hiding this mother box was that very same King Arthur of legend oh. and his Knights of the Round Table. Is that is that c- confirmed by the filmmaker? So I haven't heard we, that before. So, we, so the men of uh, like man. Uh, the men of man. Were, were actually king. I mean, I buy it 100%, but I had not heard that before. So that's actually very exciting. <laughs> I, I think... Um, so it's it's either it's either Pendragon. So I I'm not sure if it's Uther or mm. Arthur, right. but it is it is one of those. Okay. And so he he has Excalibur, right? Like that's oh, in his yeah. hand. Okay. Yes, he does so, have Excalibur. Makes so, sense. But yeah. So then we don't know if it's Uther or Arthur, but it is it's either one. And so yeah, it's twelve, right? It's twelve knights. Yeah, the round yeah, table? yes. Yeah, twelve, 12, 12 spots, twelve, 12 chairs points of entrance. Yeah. yeah. All right, now name the, everyone. The star. No. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. The only one that matters <laughs> is Gwaine. <laughs> uh, Gwaine always, I don't, I don't know if it's always a depiction with uh, Sir, Sir Gwaine, but uh, on, uh, I, I've, I've studied a little bit of Arthurian legend and like various uh, adaptations, movie and TV show wise, but my favorite one is Merlin on BBC. And that Sir Gwaine has the most beautiful, luxurious hair. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's that's a common that should be a common is, theme. Is and that then, a, is that a common theme? Okay. Yeah, but then in Excalibur with Patrick Stewart, you're like, whoa, wait, wait a second, hold on, wait. I guess you just got the green. I guess you just got the green tint. So we're gonna go with that. Okay, but yeah. you needed the Shakespearean the the, uh, the you needed the guy to do yeah. it. It's like okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Or no, wait, was it? No, uh, Liam Neeson was Gwaine in Excalibur, wasn't he? 
Oh, oh no! I'm not ready for I this one. I can't remember now. I'm now. I sound wrong. I was saying as a joke. Don't make me actually. I can't find no, it. I can't out. remember. Oh yeah, anyway. Liam Neeson as uh, was Gwen the Green Knight. Okay, mm-hmm. there was we go. he? Okay, okay, yeah, big, taller, and then yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, he's got he's got long hair. He's got some luxuri- luxurious hair. Now that yeah. I'm kind of looking back at it. Um, who else has long hair? I think Lancelot also sometimes is described as very uh, pretty. You know, pretty boy. Um, he's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, no, you're not wrong with the with the long flowing locks. Uh, Gwen the Green Knight. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love Gwen. Mm-hmm. So um, but yes, uh, this is um, this is a call. This is King Arthur and his mm-hmm. uh, and his court um, were tasked with uh, burying this box and and encasing it and with their symbol of the Round Table and the Knights. Um, all the other boxes or the two other boxes um, do have designs that match up with. Um, the people and their culture. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that. I, yeah. I, I just assumed they were all the same boxes. I, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, okay. They are the same box of Apocalyptin, but this, um, but whatever their case is in um, mm. is very, uh, it, it mimics their culture and their rituals and practices and everything. The Atlanteans, it's very um, like a briny barnacle. I think there's um, some like, uh, uh, what or uh, what is the organic design that like starfish have underneath them like that uh tendril branches kind of thing of of organic sea life uh encrusted on it um and it's ah. also it's also pearlescent so it has like that um yeah. sand weathered kind of look to it um the amazons it's uh uh magma fire as if you know from the gods and the sun yeah. they did use the sun to uh, uh, bake you know the s- s- ultra bake the clay i guess you know uh, in sort of some sort of amazonian kiln ritual that they had uh so yeah it's very of their culture um so yeah king arthur king arthur's box and and everything um i think mark and i were discussing before about um the location and cyborg saying that uh it was picked up during world war 2 um, under an Italian monastery. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. Now, we were led to believe, like, why was King Arthur traversing through? Why was wh- he in Italy? At one point, yeah. Where? Wh- why were the? Where? What was the campaign? So, like, and then where was the battle fought of the Battle of Hero, the Age of Heroes? And was that campaign on their travels back to mm-hmm. England? They had to go through mm-hmm. Italy, Rome. That whole, who was in who was in power at that time? <laughs> I think that's what it is, right? Like, like uh, because uh, uh, Diana, she goes to um, man. Why can't I remember this stuff anymore? But she goes to a certain uh, uh, Greek ruin or Hellenistic ruin, and then she discovers the um, mural that tells of the Age of Heroes and and all that, and so. We're led to believe that maybe this, this battle where the <laughs> the anti-life equation is in Italy, basically, right? And so <laughs> and so just maybe, on a Mediterranean yeah, the, beach, just like yeah. So and then they they start going back, and then they I don't know maybe they they don't make it all the way through Italy, and they're like you know this looks like a good spot. We'll just bury it here, um, which is something else we joked about, right? Like the um, the mother box is kept in the 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 kind of um, atrium fortress that the that the uh, Amazons had, and then 
uh, Atlantis. They paralyzed. Yeah, and then they put it in a remote part of of the sea in its own chapel and kept up high, very high, and well, guarded. Before. And man yeah. was like, toss, throw it away, bury it, and, and throw man away was the like, key. I'm not gonna remember where we put feet, it. <laughs> throw it in there, put some dirt on it, and you know. And so the thing about man has always been kind of like maybe you guys didn't do enough. Uh, <laughs> amongst so, other peers like look at who you're with <laughs> yeah i i guess my question is was the italian monastery there when they buried it or did they build the italian monastery over top that location i guess they had to build it on top of that location because when you see it in the film they're just like out in the woods in the woods yeah, yeah. doing it um, but I think it's significant. Uh, I, I don't want to beat a man down too much. I think it's actually very significant and fitting that a monastery would have been built on top of it because a monastery, uh, I'm, I'm pr- kind of a little ignorant on this, but it's where monks are, you know, people of faith who are, um, oh, yeah. you know, monasteries would have been where they would have probably, you know, done copies of scriptures, you know, because yeah. back then they didn't have Xerox machines. So they had to write everything <laughs> out by hand and make those copies that way. And so these were people who would have been very uh, protective of their faith, who would have been engaging that with that uh, on a regular basis. And so these would have been people, they would have been a safe place is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, um, So, yeah, I think that would have actually been very fitting. I mean... Th- are we led to believe they were like Christian monks, right? Like, like, uh, 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 oh gosh, Vatican monks, I guess. What is the, what, what's the yeah. term? I, I guess <laughs> it could have been, uh, yeah, it no. could have probably been, no. been any kind, I guess. I mean, well, Italy in, oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, in the Roman Empire, well, yeah, well, that's another thing. So, what I'm was going thinking... on in Italy at the time of, the dark ages um and, and this why would have wasn't been... a roman empire there fighting maybe there were romans there fighting were there 300 uh uh spartans and 10,000 <laughs> free greek like were they also at the battle um that's fun yeah. to think about but it, i think anyway. like the, the monast italian monastery like i mean yes they they, they start out in, it's just woods and in, in, in the forest and they decide you know to stay here but that it could very well been coordinated. I mean, we've it's in comic books. It's it's easy to to have a couple panels to explain like, oh, we buried it in the middle of nowhere, and then we decided to build a monastery on top. And over years, people just forget about it. But I always maintain that that um, that importance that it's there. Um, and then, of course, I think that's why with World War Two and and with the the German army that they then disregard that because there was a lot uh, was disregarded yeah. um by the by hitler and, and and the nazis so um you know they they were just grabbing anything and everything and and just stealing art and you know not knowing what they had in, in their possession so they just you know grab one item not sure what it is put a number on it send it send it away and that's okay, where the disrespect well, let's not, comes let, from. Yeah, let's not, you know, miscount the <laughs> the atrocities of of the the blatant stealing of property that's going on and and went on in the 1940s after these liberations. We should say, right? Um, <laughs> just comical, right? Just. <laughs> I think that's I, I think that's what it is, right? So that you know, King Arthur or King Arthur, whichever or whichever Pendragon it is, like they. 
they decide to have this Italian monastery built on top just to, to safeguard and, and to, um, you know, in both ways, you know, like they're practicing the Christian religion, but then also like it's a safe haven for these powerful relics like this mother box here. Um, and then the just the, the ultraviolet nature of the German army in, in, 19, in the 1940s and 30s. And, and it's just like they disregarded so much that's here i mean they're also just raiding a monastery in general like this how despicable could you be like why disrespect that yeah (laughs) there's just so much that's going on uh with with the german army that they're just um uh, just just greedy just just taking things and and it just seemed just seems awful so complete disrespect for what was there including the mother box um Somehow it makes its way to the States. And then he says, uh, sat in archives for 70 years before Silas Stone found um, the mother box. Yeah. But um, the the transition in this minute from being questioned by Aqu- uh, Aquaman saying, you know, it's a long story. And then the 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 projection as it starts to be kind of like this diorama of of this italian monastery and then into this transition of 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 actual film of 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 ray fisher and and crew uh, cast dressed up as as nazis in this italian monastery it's like what an incredible transition into story time uh you know (laughs) it's just like it's it's like wow that's that was that was awesome that was a yeah uh, you know fantastic uh, moment to have really good uh, Sorkin esque kind of uh, uh, exposition as well with just yeah like, the walkie talk this yeah. the walk yeah. and talk the setting that you're in like this is a a showing and telling element that we're getting right now um, and not to mention the fact that like in Cyborg's storytelling element he's human mm. yes. He's the, fo- he's the football player he was yes. before the accident. That's his image of himself. How yeah. amazing is that? And then later in the movie, we actually get another image of himself. And it's like, yeah, you're right, dude. You got yeah. it. Full circle. Feel good about yourself. I'm here with you. We're friends. Um, he looks good. Great Letterman jacket. Love the design. This is a, a clip we saw in the initial trailer. Um, I don't know. I, I can't remember if it was in the first teaser. Uh, but definitely in like the first trailer, we see this shot. And so everyone was always going like, whoa, what is this moment that's going on here? And then to finally see it uh, in the context in, in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's like, first of all, why was that not in the other movie? But that's fine. We say that a lot on this show. But also just to have it and the way it transitions and goes from the the scene we were just talking about in and then it goes into this italian monastery scene with with ray fisher and you know all these people just up like the german soldiers it's just like wow incredible just just incredible way to direct a, a story it's absolutely beautiful and it, it always just kind of reminds me of the the town of veld from wonder woman yeah. so it just it, it, it has like that a little bit of connective tissue and 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 seeing where we went from from one movie part of the cinematic universe to um to this moment here and, and where the mother boxes is is, uh, is going and we do um um 
there was supposed to be that end credit scene with the Wonder Men and Etta Candy uh, talking about this particular mother box mm-hmm. that was that was teasing the Justice League film coming out in in the year 2017, and this feels like the rest of that connective tissue where it's like, oh yeah, remember they were talking about that mother box. Well, this is that mother box, and unfortunately, there was another great world war. Uh, even though she defeated Ares, but you know, then there's this mother box. So, th- this it just all connects together. Like I've said it before, um, you know, Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice. Obviously, they feel like part of this trilogy to Zack Snyder's Justice League. But Wonder Woman also feels like it. It's necessary for it. It's almost like a qu- there's a quadrology. Is that the quad quadrology? Is that the word? That yeah. seems like a good enough. Word yeah, for that's it. it's. But what the point that you're making is that you. Need I feel to like you have, have to watch. Yeah, Wonder Woman because you need to have that setting and you need to be able to understand that this character was present at that time. It doesn't mean that this character was in that Italian monastery and knew about this secret thing. No, throw all that away. That doesn't matter. <laughs> what does matter is that Diana Prince Wonder Woman existed at this time it's just the connective world building yeah. thing that's all we're really like grasping at right now we just need those little threads to connect uh man of steel clark kent saving the oil rig mother and and calf whale and we yeah. finally get like oh yeah i knew that there was an oil rig exploding in my ocean like i duh and then I knew that there was some ultra-powerful thing that fell into the ocean that I didn't know what was. So I was like, hey, go check that out. That's the connective thread that we need from a character like Aquaman who knows what's happening in the ocean. And, mm-hmm. and would, you would expect that he would know what was happening. And the subtlety and kind of, not even subtlety, the blatant ideas of like, why would a whale show up there? Well, there's the imagery of mother and, and, and calf and also how that relates to Superman. But also, like, this is a major thing that happened. And we do have characters that, like, directly uh, are affected are affected within those creatures as well. Like, it's not just by chance that there was a whale and a baby whale that just showed up there, you know? Like, also, why was a whale and a baby whale swimming while there was an oil rig exploding right on the surface? Like, that would seem like animals would be like, I'm not going to go by there. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Seems bad. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's those little connective strings that we need that makes the world just that much greater um, Mm -hmm. and allows us to have these types of conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, was Wonder Woman ever anywhere close to this Italian monastery? Who knows? Does it matter? Uh, Not really, but (laughs) we could probably probably assume that she probably wasn't too far off. But this was not on her radar. Wasn't her thing. Wasn't a fight. It's not a thing, you know? But the setting was there. Duh. Well, yeah, it makes sense that it made its way to the States. That would be what Etta Candy and the Wonder Men were doing. Like that, uh, that, 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 that was what their mission was. She was like, Oh, I have a new mission because she starts, she takes over, um, uh, Professor Lupin's, uh, <laughs> uh role. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So once he's out of the picture, then Etta Candy steps in, she becomes the, the leader. Uh, and then she leads the Wonder Men to, to getting the mother box from the, the Nazis and back to the States. That's, I think that's what that end credits was supposed to 
describe. Um, so that would that would explain you know her involvement. Uh, so yeah, there is that connective tissue. I'm, I'm there's a part of me that's like, I feel like Wonder Woman might have the most screen time in this movie than any other Justice League member um, because there's there's so much Gal Gadot in this movie. And I just and and with with Zeus and Ares, um, I just and and Queen Hippolyta, everyone on Themyscira just feels like, I feel like you really can't skip Wonder Woman. Like you have to, yeah. Of course, Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice, but Wonder Woman is also like you have to see that movie. I mean, yeah. Suicide Squad. I don't think you need to see it unless you want to. You know, I guess now with the Jared Leto at the end of this movie, perhaps. But um, Wonder Woman feels like. It's absolutely necessary you see it before Justice League for context. So, yeah, uh, this 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 minute makes me think of what would have happened if Hitler and the Nazis had gotten control of the mother box. That's a terrifying thought. Um, so I'm actually glad it was the Allies who who took it back. Um, but just just that what if uh, that could have been been incredibly uh, bad. I mean Hitler. Uh, I went to the World War II Museum in, in New Orleans. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend it. It's highly recommend it. Mark, you went incredible. to that as well, didn't you? Yeah, I've, I've been there a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I want to go back because it's it's massive. It's not just one building. It's like five buildings. Yeah. Like it's a whole campus of things. And what I didn't, I mean, I've watched World War II documentaries and I kind of know the gist of yeah, what Yeah, I've seen happened. Band of Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it wasn't until I saw that there was a, a like an animation that showed all the places where the Nazis had taken over. Yeah. And it just built up and built up. And he was literally t- trying to take over the world. I mean, just the massive amount of countries he had taken control over. And so to to pair that real life knowledge to the fact that he could have potentially had a mother box, what would that have looked like? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. But um, the 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 allies take it, and thank goodness it was them and not Hitler and the Nazis. But I'm also uh, curious about uh, uh, Cyborg says it collected dust in the Pentagon Pentagon archives for seventy years. And uh, I, I mentioned that I work with museums, and so I uh, have connections with the people who work in our collections. And um, the idea that this would just sit on a shelf is mind-boggling to yeah. me because, first of all, they would have had to you know, uh, put some information with it. Where was it found? What was it? Do they know? And uh, collections go with research. So I imagine that somebody would have, even if they had failed at it, somebody would have tried to figure out what this thing was. And I kind of want to know the story of that guy who was in charge of having to figure out what this box was, what did it mean? And sometimes for museums, there's a lot of interpretation. Maybe you don't have documentation about an artifact that you found in the dirt, but you have to make these uh, uh, good guesses about what this could be, and so I, I, I kind of even though they, it, do, they don't have to go into that in this story, but I, I'm very curious about the Pentagon archives and what these people did. Did they actually? I assume they had to have studied it or, or tried to have studied it, um, but they didn't actually make a real effort until Superman showed up and that that ship had come. So I just, I just think about that and and what that would have looked like. It yeah, would have been I, cool to see like. I mean, like thinking about like, oh, well, maybe they just, you know, couldn't figure out how to open it. Obviously, Mm. Silas Stone has some sort of uh, 
plasma cutter or something that was taken <laughs> to it, right? So like maybe the technology wasn't there, but then that kind of begs a question, like what was this case made out of? Like what kind of metal was this case made out of? And so that, I, that, that question right there, putting it just in the world of DC Comics, you can your mind goes crazy. Now I'm thinking like, oh, that's obviously nth metal. You can't touch that. Like no one can touch that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, and and it being like whatever properties of it being uh, you know spatial or uh, uh, just other mystic properties, especially from uh, Arthurian legend time of being like, what is this weird space metal we found of this meteorite? I don't know. And they're not making swords out of it, so let's make a box. I mean. <laughs> Um, so finding it at, in an Italian monastery could be deemed um, just like a religious um, object or something. Then they they th so the big thing I was gonna say is is this scene right here where Silas is is cutting the the container open. Uh, I think uh, an architect would or not an architect archaeologist would not want to do that to the container, right? Like. So right, that it's like wh at what point does this like stop becoming a box with that could contain something? At what point is it a Schrodinger's box? Does this thing contain something, or is it just this solid object? Well, they wouldn't know, right? Because they, I mean, they uh, at some point the technology becomes available to scan this object yeah. and be like, oh, it's just you know, it's ultra. There's a there's a shell, and then there's a there's another hunk of metal inside of it, um, but you wouldn't cut the thing open, would you? You wouldn't break it. Um, I, I've heard archaeologists talk about, because uh, I also work with archaeologists, um, uh, I have a very uh, uh, eclectic job. Uh, but sometimes I've heard the case that if, like, if somebody was, like, like coming after an archaeologist who had an artifact and they were afraid that somebody was going to destroy the artifact, they would they would prioritize the information about the artifact over the artifact itself. So if it if if it was if somebody came after them trying to steal the artifact and they those bad people destroyed the artifact, the artifact is not as important as the information. It's catalog. Mm, so, yeah. Okay. So um so there are cases where like if they had to sacrifice the artifact itself as as long as they know what it was or what it was about, that's kind of the and I don't want to speak for our, our all archaeologists, but I've heard them uh propose that sort of that what if scenario yeah. before when talking about that stuff. So it does mm. that does that include just like pictures? Like <laughs> so many pictures of the thing, every aspect of like that's the thing that's like how do you go back and study it? It has to be like evidence type pictures right and i don't know microscopic yeah, yeah i mean things. you you would you would want the artifact to be able to prove <laughs> to people that 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 is the thing um for sure but like if if there was some you know worst case scenario where the the artifact yeah. got destroyed yeah that's kind of what they were talking about hmm. yeah yeah i i just uh i just i just wonder like back in 1944 did the pentagon did the pentagon know that this box was alien did they have that information to know that it was alien? And then they just sat on it for a while until Superman showed up. So did they have evidence that there were there was maybe alien life before Superman even appeared on the scene? Or was Swanwick just like constantly like pushing that thing off of someone's desk? Like, no, nah, you don't need to worry about that. Just oh, just that's a good, that's a good <laughs> one. Stop. No, what are you talking no, about? No, there are so, no aliens. What are you talking about? We don't. That's the, a paperweight. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> Yeah. The the outer shell is is man made. Of course, we saw Ray Porter is actually the character creating the the shell for it, mm -hmm. and um, 
So it, it's, you know, to a, to a metallurgist, they would have been like, oh, that's just man-made, yeah. solidized. And so there's an inner metal inside. We haven't opened it up. But if they were to get to that, that inner metal, the mother box itself, then they would have been like, oh, this, this metal is not from this world. Um, it's alien. But they never did. They never, they just they that's, decided. That's Jonathan Kent. Yeah, that was his job. He's he had to do the <laughs> he had to do the heavy lifting and go to the metallurgist at at Kansas State. You know, yeah, yeah. Kansas that's State it. metallurgy. Can I get a T shirt yeah. with that? <laughs> Kansas State metallurgy with like a periodic um, table on like the yeah. back. That's a great shirt. That would be a good. I'm shirt. going into the business. Yeah, yeah you can design something <laughs> with the uh, little man of steel. Yeah, Codex that's like pin. you actually have the new. You add a new yeah. uh, square on the periodic table of elements for um, Crypt- kryptonite. Kryptonite. Or, I would buy. Well, that you gotta have two. You gotta have kryptonite, and you gotta have uh, liquid geo. So. The liquid geo stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, no, no one, no one opened it for for seventy years. It sat, it sat in the in the Pentagon, and then Silas Stone said. I guess I'll look into this and just cracked it open. Intelligence. Enter intelligence. Mm. Enter these, these are mad scientists. archetypes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. But like that's still that's still intelligence. Dr. Frankenstein is still You're like smart Hey, are you as a your son's football game? He said, "Nope, found a crazy cool box." Yep. <laughs> Working late. Oh, yep, they're just they're still it's it's intelligence that they sprinkle in to the team dynamic. Um and it, and it's also the runoff of intelligence, right? So you get Cyborg, son of Silas Stone, um now is is uh cybernetic god. What, what I don't even know what what Silas yeah. says in the beginning or in, uh, on the tape uh, to him. Uh Yeah, um, it's similar. Yeah. Something like that where it's just like you are just now that character archetype for this team dynamic. Um, and it's just really lovely how you can see the, the, the road work for that. Um, mad scientist, very selfish in his ways, but with the right intentions. And then you have the actual good moral compass offspring birth from that. Um, yeah. Anyway, just obsessive, like just too, too, too into deep, you know, um, and I think and I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. And it's just like uh, his the death the death of his wife and 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 you know his his dying son. That's what pulls him out, but also kind of gets him to to play uh, play God a bit. And so that we we've talked we. When when do we not talk about Silas Stone and Victor? I'm sure people have heard us talk enough about it on, on both podcasts. We do um, being Doom Patrol, but also it's just you know what he decides to do is just I I don't know if I could make sense of it. You know I think we we could spend so much time thinking like well, why why did he pick this box? How did he know like all this kind of stuff? And he might not have curiosity. Yeah, He's just curiosity. Um, uh, a bit of a Prometheus, if you will even yeah uh, i mean it's scientific method right <laughs> asking very why. simply very simply it's scientific method yes yeah. yeah yeah so uh and we saw those in the in the tapes again we were talking about connective tissue with wonder woman but this is this is the this is the tape this is the lex luther tapes here you know this is the moment that 
Bruce and, and Diana are looking through this and they, they find the footage. Um, this right here is the, the BVS moment where we, um, Silas Stone is starting to record and document uh, his interactions with this mother box, this, um, um, was it 61982? Yes. That, yeah. yeah. Yep. 61982. June 19th. I, I, I did June have a 19th. question. Uh, what did y'all think about the... Uh, line where cyborg he's talking about the superman ship and the mother box and he says uh different civilizations but similar properties um it's excellent it's again like this is just like uh, it's it's like i'm i'm beating the horse at this moment but this is just more prime examples of just chris terrio magic i think um it really is uh, because he is he is making he's telling you to make the connection between the alien technologies and the fact that already in this universe in the DC Comics universe Kryptonians and Apocalyptans are already like fighting there's already animosity between the two of them much like how we get uh, Atlanteans and Amazons like we get lines of dialogue that put these seeds of further uh conflict and and past conflict deeper into this story which kind of makes the end result that much more greater you know um if you want to compare it to an infinity war movie you don't really get stakes that high the stakes from those are pretty much just everyday life on earth and not um, like ch changing the way of life of this planet, uh, not terraforming the entire planet. I mean, it was just what a balance thing, right? Uh, get come at me if you will. Like I'll, I'll go, I'll go toe to toe yes, yes. with with Thanos and and Darkseid. Actually, Thanos coming from Darkseid and it being a watered down version, <laughs> but. I I think um, with the DC universe as it is, it's made here with Zack Snyder and David S. Goyer and Chris Terrio. There, there's still more. There's a fundamental connective tissue, universally inside, yes. uh, between you know Apocalypse and Krypton and uh, the gods of of Greek mythology or Roman, all of the gods that are because even Wonder Woman 1984. Um, details that there's other gods, yes. old gods just, and new gods. Well, yeah, right. and then Suicide Squad also has gods like Incubus and yeah, um, uh, Enchantress. But um, I, I think they all um, come from a similar origin, and I think Eternals tried doing that for the Marvel universe, um, which I think is a pretty good film. But um yeah it seems instead for marvel's cosmic universe it, it's like there's not so much a connective tissue but they all um there's just different civilizations everywhere that are right? that are separated um but uh we talked about it here before but um the krypton has like it's liquid geo and um apocalypse we we talked about how the nuclear the, the communication the, stone the uranium slab yeah. that they communicate it's like oh there's the evil liquid geo they still have something similar they use that technology to communicate and um you know there was the conversation about uh the codex and man of steel and how it, you know jor-el transferred that into kal-el 
but that skull has to be someone's skull, right? Or is there more body parts to this being that once was that was more ancient than them? And, you know, who whose skull does that belong to, right? So um, it, there's we've we've always talked about like there has to be something there's more uh, of a connecting there's more connection than, than the we alien will ever get to know about like yeah. there's there's so much mythology built on that even the old gods are not the oldest of of gods right. in, in in Zack Snyder's DC universe so. um another thing that is also like they they do in this movie is um actually give you a line of dialogue that have humans incorporating alien technology into their things batman's gauntlets are taken mm. from the idea comes from wonder woman's gauntlets but he uses kryptonian technology to enhance mm -hmm. it to have that uh, uh energy absorption so the fact that man is like just now getting to a point we're always so far behind right we're just trying to play catch up that man is just now getting to a point where they can bridge alien technologies and different civilizations to create some sort of unification to create something new i.e change machine i think it's like one of the most it's a big moment here in the dc universe just like how black zero event was a thing this is like a moment of kind of enlightenment for uh the people of Earth and, and humans. Um, I say man just because that's the overall, you know, God-man kind of thing, but it's mm -hmm. people. Um, it's more of like a moment of evolution, um, a higher thinking. The Justice League is like doing this work that is eye-opening. We are here. We are present. We exist. They exist. They were present. They were also here. Things were left behind. How can we adapt to this new universe that we find ourselves in with gods that can shoot fire from the sky you know mm -hmm. um so one, the thing that they brought in with the connection between the kryptonian ship and this mother box and silas stone being the intelligence to bridge that gap is incredible and then mm -hmm. the result is the hero cyborg the hero of this story mm. is cyborg so two alien civilizations two completely different technologies kind of compound them in together and just fill in the blanks with with man ingenuity human ingenuity and you get morally good i think that's supposed to be like a beacon of storytelling for cyborg you get the two opposite things you mash them together and it's supposed to be right you know mm -hmm. um yeah what I, is that I, well, adam warlock i think is also a culmination of that as well but yes that's different than 40 and years I, ago and i do want to say another comment but rebecca wanted to ask you real quick i wanted to get your opinion as well since you you asked a question i wanted to hear what you think what is your thoughts on it I, I think uh, what Nate uh, went through, I think, was a, a really good uh, connection point to Cyborg, which is not something I would have thought about. Um, I was thinking about the idea of, you know, chemical properties, which I'm not a scientist. So I, I don't know much about. That's uh, but fun. I, I, I looked up the definition because uh, uh, the dialogue says similar properties. And so uh, there, I found a definition that was a, a chemical property is a characteristic, a characteristic or behavior of a substance that may be observed when it go, undergoes a chemical change or reaction. 
Um, so I, I was kind of uh, chewing on that a little bit. And I, I wondered if, for me, the way I read it is it talked about different, different civilizations, similar properties. And I wondered if that was uh, connective tissue to uh, Superman and Darkseid. Because Superman and Darkseid, especially in this film, are going to have a, a, a evil connection by the end of it that Darkseid is going to uh, be responsible for taking him over, presumably with the anti-life equation, so that Superman is going to become the nightmare Superman. Um, so even if you have two different civiliza different civilizations, they come from different places, do they have similar properties and how they could turn that corner and become bad? Um, so I was sort of thinking about that. And then also connecting Superman to Apocalypse in terms of like when he dies and his scream is what wakes the mother box up. So I was sort of going at it from the Superman Apocalypse connection, but I like the idea of Cyborg kind of being the, the bridge of those two civilizations and become something new and, and positive. I, I, I think mm. what you just described is also another like just amazing and fun route to think about um, because the slippery slope that is Kal-El uh, <laughs> as, as, as he um, encounters apocalyptic tyranny um, it is a slippery slope the anti-life equation is not something to sneeze at and on the other side the life equation is not something to sneeze at now I do think that there is something connecting the life equation with the codex, with the last son of Krypton mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. Earth, and 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 humans actually being the um, what does Jor-El say? Humans are f uh, fundamentally being a force of good. Um, right. I think inherently humans just are the anti or are the life equation or at least part of it um or if not the answer um but yeah there is a very strong connecting the three civilizations or even if you want to just say two kryptonian and apocalyptic but then humans and and earth being the middle ground um is extremely apparent and that's such a fun concept to think about um because superman and dark side the two like all powerful beings in this universe not counting a anti-monitor but those two um coming forth and having their moments on earth superman seeing such good in humans that he wants to be human and wants to protect them whereas dark side seeing that they are the answer for anti-life and i need to uh enslave and gather all of that anti-life for my own good um, they are like opposite spectrums. It's really cool that the middle area is this this earth and and we have people like Bruce Wayne and cyborg um, that exist and kind of are stuck in the middle and kind of figuring it out and and putting the pieces together. much like similar that's properties, figuring out how it fits and putting the pieces so together. deep yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I like that we have we I mean we have two two children. Uh, children in loose term um but they are the the youngest generation of of kind of the product of of the the betwixting of the of the dna here i mean yeah uh cyborg being a a child of uh the mother boxes and 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 man 
the race of man, but also Di- Diana is the other side where Diana is, is half human, half God. And, you know, there's there's been that speculation that the, the gods, uh, the Hellenistic gods, Roman, Greek, whatever, uh, Zeus, um, could could he could he be a Kryptonian in, in some way? Um, since the scout ship crashed, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, um, that both Wonder Woman and, and Cyborg are children of the different civilizations, same same uh, resources kind of thing. Um, and so it's in their DNA that they've, you know, we've started to, to have, um, started the, the mixed races of, of apocalypse and, and kryptonian uh, on earth uh so uh, and then humans themselves uh why is it that kryptonians look like humans and vice versa so um we can we can always go down that rabbit hole but um uh, like you were saying earlier rebecca um the the mother boxes reacted to superman's cry now why you know why is that why what is it that um uh, evokes a response from the mother boxes of Superman, you know, like, so if they're different civilizations, but same kind of properties, why, you know, why, how is that, that it responds to him? So it's very, very, you know, I don't know how else to say, but it's, there's so much more to think about. And it's crazy that, you know, this, this franchise right now, technically we're only like four or five movies in, from Man of Steel to, to Zack Snyder's Justice League, and yet there's still so many wild, crazy thoughts and theories out there um, that I, I don't have that same... I, I've never had these same conversations or thoughts about the 30-plus Marvel movies that, that right. exist, and I right. don't know why that is. So, um, <laughs> But yeah. Because there's, there's more mythology here. There's, there's more, stuff there's... here that... like. When it's I not say just blatant, I like, oh yeah, science, like oh yeah, sequels. Okay. Um, it's because of moments like this. Like I, I want a sequel, not just because I'm banging the drum of restore the Snyderverse, but there's a reason for it. There's there's questions. There's, there's there's more story to tell. Yeah, yeah. Part of me is always like, uh, and I know I I would love the full artistic integrity of Zach making more movies in in this world. Um, and, and doing it the right way. I, I know a lot of people have talked to him about, you know, just doing comic book versions of, of the rest of the story or some other adaptation where it's, it's easier to just get the answers out there quicker. Um, but the reason people are also asking for that is for the same reason. It's like, I just, I need to know these things because they keep me up at night and I start thinking like, where was it going? Where was like, where, what are the answers? I need to know. It's like, you know, talking about uh, I, I mentioned Prometheus earlier in today's episode, but it's it's like that movie as well, or, or like where you know it's like I need to know the 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 origin of all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, um, I think it's a a great place to stop. Unless Rebecca, you have uh, any other notes for today's episode? I just wanted to compliment the the visual effects people for being able to build out victor's storytelling oh he is telling a story and um everything that happens is him building the story and i think that's such a nice touch (laughs) they could have just had him just uh have it in one 
one uh, swipe where he's just he shows you the screen, but he's building out all the little people. He's building the the houses and the buildings in it, and everything is him progressively like building out this world. And I think that's such a great way to do it because otherwise. Him just telling the story could be pretty boring. It's just, it's exposition. He's kind of giving us background information, but they've, they've taken the time in this minute to really build out that world, literally build out the world. It's him using his technology with his new gift that he has, even if maybe he doesn't think of it that way, yeah. this, this ability that he has, he's able to actually physically build out this visual world to help them understand his story. And I think that's such a a great way to do it because he can show them and, and it's they can fun understand it you know yeah they, say, yeah they say these movies aren't fun but it's like that's pretty fun that's cool i like that you know there's there's so many you know there's so so other ways to tell flashbacks where they can just um hard cut to a scene with with you know material being liberated from an italian monastery and then cutting the silas stone but no they they decide to show how cyborg will tell the story um and 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 insert Ray Fisher into those scenes as well and and just play around with how the story is going to be told because um you know we've had other flashbacks in this in this movie and those are very entertaining already so there's no need to to play around with how the story is told but like the age of heroes it's just there's so much going on that it's entertaining but this way we show how mother box gets into the hands of Silas Stone and we just have fun with the the way that we can play with Cyborg's abilities and just show this projection. Cy- Cyborg is almost a, a visual effects creator himself. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He has the different layers of it that he's building, so I think that's such a, a great way to go about it. Yeah, and it's one of my favorites as well when at the end of the movie they kind of go through like hit one of his optic nerves to go into yeah. his subconscious where he's fighting the, the mother boxes. It's like... That to me as well is like just one of those things where it's like, just, yeah, just take us on a ride. It's a four hour <laughs> long movie, but, um, you know, a lot of people have said it like those four hours, they fly by because of just how entertaining this movie can be. So, all right, well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five star review. It really does help the show and it helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.